Welcome back, everyone. This is NerdWide Podcast, episode 20. I'm Tyler Haynes, and this is the man, the myth, the legend, the guy sitting here to my right, my favorite co-host, Mr. Carissa Rivers. How's it going, Tyler? It's it's going pretty well. It's uh it's been a very busy week. A lot of secret projects. Um, I can't really talk about them until our next episode that we record, uh, which is two weeks from now. Two weeks. We'll be taking a one week hiatus um, before we get back to episode twenty one. Hopefully, the world doesn't you know the news uh, epic center doesn't fall out and just break down and just send a bunch of news that yeah. we need to talk about. But then, hopefully, there's no blip. Yeah, hopefully uh, one of us just doesn't disappear, and we just have to start doing this solo. But <sighs> Chris, how are you? Let's let's ask that. How are you? How are you feeling? Well, I was uh, I was a little bit under the weather last week when we recorded. Um, still am a little bit, but it was made slightly better because <laughs> yes, he got one. I didn't realize it would be already in. It came in like two days after I ordered it. <laughs> and you don't have that thing going behind you yet? <clears throat> no, not yet. There's some stuff I've got to I've got to do on here, and then I'm going to transport everything over to the five. Oh man, that's breaking that's breaking news, everybody. I I knew he bought one, but I had no idea it was in his hands. That, that made the <laughs> podcast. That made my entire night. Well done. And where'd you end up getting it through? Uh, I got it through Sony. Um, I was at work. I think it was Monday afternoon. And they, um, one of the Twitter accounts I follow said that they had gotten in a restock and they were putting them up. I was actually, I logged in with five minutes left on the timer in the queue. Uh And, you know, they randomize you after that. And they randomized me and I was at like 20, a 25 minute wait when normally I was getting an hour message. Right. And, uh, so I disappeared for a while at work. So that, <laughs> so that I could just keep my phone active and sit there and, and wait. And I got it. Oh, so. that's, that's awesome. I can't wait. Uh, any any first <clears throat> games you're going to play on it or anything yet? Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what Valhalla looks like mm-hmm. on the 5. Um, I'm not sure because I haven't been keeping up to speed with all the improvements on Cyberpunk. So I'm not sure... How that's going to work on the five? Low times will be a lot faster for you, but and it'll look better. I'm curious to see what your impression is of Madden 21, whenever you yeah, because uh, they did a boost for it as well. Yeah. So you're so that that that'll be interesting. But I will say this: I I would recommend. I know you got to try and get it from wherever you can, mm-hmm. but I think Sony's site, the way that it's set up, is the most fair. Right. So I think it's going to give people a less stressful way of and trying to get And you can only it. buy one through them. You can't, like it's yeah. linked to your, your PSN. So yeah. That's, oh, that's great. That That's awesome. Oh, yep. man. But guys, this is a NerdWide podcast. This is episode 20. This is our 20th episode celebration. And here is to 80 more after this. Of course, subscribe, like, or whatever service you're on. If you're listening to your audio on your favorite podcasting service, make sure you like it, subscribe to us on there. And if you're watching us on YouTube.com, make sure you subscribe to us there. Give us a thumbs up if you like the video. If you don't like the video, give us a comment. Let us know why you didn't so we can improve and help you out and so we can keep you as a listener and viewer. Uh, if that's not enough, go to patreon.com slash nerdwide. We've got three different tiers with all sorts of different funds and goodies if you subscribe to us there on each of those Patreon levels. 
But Chris, I want to jump into this. We've got a lot of news to talk about between all three of our um, topics here. Our first one is TV. Uh, we're going mm-hmm. to get into what we've been watching, and then we will do our Invincible review on this one instead of the movie stuff since it was a TV show. But first, I have been, um, my wife and I have been watching a, uh, needing a sitcom to watch. And I've watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine since it began. Uh, we're re-watching it. We're like on episode 15 of the first season. Um, of course, Superman and Lois, um, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and Invincible are the big ones that I have been watching. Um, let's. Uh, have you watched anything else before we get into those three? I've watched uh, those three, and um, I've been catching up on Blue Bloods. So. Ooh, a little bit of Tom yeah. Selleck. Yeah. See, I know some things. All right. I might not be that cultured, but I know some things. <laughs> All right, everybody. This is your fair warning. We're going to jump into a spoiler heavy bit of Falcon and Winter Soldier, Superman and Lois, and Invincible. Um, all three, let's just start out with what came first. That would be Superman and Lois, episode five, and of course, our last one for until May. Um, this episode was fun. Didn't seem like a hiatus E episode. I'm very curious. Again, felt like a Smallville, um, new, a new Smallville. We, you know, we've talked about that since the very beginning of the show. Uh, the Harvest Festival was fun. Jonathan struggling to find who he is in this town. Of course, getting broken up to by his girlfriend. Um, Jordan, not really the biggest character, except we find out he's never went on a date with a girl before, and which is unfortunate, but now he has. We're, we're getting a little bit more of the Morgan, Morgan Edge backstory where they're making Kryptonians, kind of, sort of. Mm-hmm. And then we also saw uh, that Lex Luthor was in a romantic relationship with Lois Lane. At the end of the show, on another, on another, on his world, yeah, and this is it's crazy. I liked this episode. Uh, I it wasn't. This is again. I love this show. This episode was not good enough to me to hold off until May. Like it, it's just not going to stay fresh in my mind for it to for me to really care. If that makes any sense, yeah. like it's we've got a whole month and a half full of. Supergirl, which is wonderful, and I need to catch up on it and start watching it for its last season. But I just don't feel like this was enough to to leave me wanting more. You know, we saw a yeah. little mystery, but nothing wanted me want more. I'm hoping that about two weekends, maybe before Superman and Lois returns, mm-hmm. they'll do like a a weekend marathon of what we've seen so far, and and kind of get people, you know back up to speed, get it right. fresh on their minds again. Hopefully they'll do something like that because it's, um, it, it wasn't that kind of, it wasn't a mid season cliffhanger type episode mm-hmm. and you need that. Well, I'm glad you said that Chris, because I have got a tweet from Elizabeth uh, Tolick. Is that how you pronounce her last name? Uh-huh. And let Tullick. me see if I can get back to it. Here it is. She said, uh, someone on Twitter was, you know, she said, we're, we're going to be back May 10th or whenever it was. And everyone, one guy questioned, you know, why? It's, you just started. 
She said, we had a COVID-related shutdown, and luckily everyone is fine and healthy and back to work, but it put us two behind on episodes to continue airing them without a break, and now we are playing catch-up. So, unfortunately, we we figured that was the case of why we were taking this big break, and it, it was because of COVID and production issues. But I imagine once Superman and Lois does come back, it is going to be uh, Super Tuesdays, if you will. I imagine we'll have Superman and Lois and then, wait, Supergirl and then Superman and Lois, or vice versa. But I think they're going to start calling it Super Tuesdays because it's Superman and Lois and Supergirl. So that was our review of that episode. Now, Falcon we, and... What we, we've, we've got to grade it. Oh, I... Uh, for me, this was B minus to me. Uh-huh. It wasn't like I, I needed more, but it was great. And the, and it had good scenes and it showed a little bit more of, uh, Lana Lang's husband's relationship with his kid and their, the way he's handles things poorly, but it just, it, it did not... Yeah, and it just didn't want. It doesn't have me wanting more of the show, and I hate that we have to wait so long. Yeah, I'd probably say B minus is fair. I mean, it's it's uh it's one of those that they did give us a little bit more of the Morgan Edge story, like like you said, we found out more of that. Um, they had the um the fire that wiped out all the donations for the Harvest Festival, and Morgan Edge just bought a bunch of stuff and and donated just threw it. it which uh, Lana seemed more than happy with. So you can see now he's going to win her over. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's going to create tension. Even um, after last episode with him uh, hitting on her and all this other stuff, her husband just not even doing anything about it. Yeah. So. Yeah, so a, a B- minus I think is fair. Um, enough stuff that they can build on. But like, like we said, nothing really memorable to keep you for six weeks. Mm-mm. Unfortunately, I, I, I can't in the six weeks. Blech. All right. Let's talk about something. Let's get off on a happy, a better note here. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, episode two. Again, another 40-minute uh, long episode, 10 minutes with credits, at the uh, so 50 all in all. But I really dug this one. And this episode was is getting a lot of flack on dealing with the race issues and stuff like that. Uh, the whole... Uh, uh, Falcon, or um, not really even Falcon, but Sam's comments to the kid, you know, he's saying, oh, you Black Falcon. And they said, why don't you call you Black Falcon? He goes, what, are you, what's your name, Black Kid? He said, no, no, it's not that way, you know. And it, the way it touched on that with the policeman at the end of the episode as well, and I, I felt like they did a really good job. Of course, I'm you know, coming from a white American. It's, it's hard to, you know, to say how well – it is for someone of a different race, but I felt like that was portrayed fairly well for all the stories and everything. Uh, now, now we have to talk about the elephant in the room, which is John Walker, the new Captain America. Chris, I want to know, uh, how do you feel about this guy? <laughs> uh, I think they did a good job of showing that at least at the beginning, he's going to, he's going to come at it with the right intention. Mm-hmm. He has he has the right mindset. He's not trying to replace Steve Rogers. He's trying to be the best Captain America he can be. Um, he just can't be Cap. That's no. that's the problem. <laughs> and he can't 
Um, he he even makes the mistake like he looks like he's selling Sam on his viewpoint of it mm-hmm. when when they pick him up in the back of the jeep, and uh, then he ends it with, you know, something along the lines of uh, it would be a lot easier with Cap's sidekicks by my side, yeah. and or his his wingmen yeah. by my side, and and Sam's like it's always that last line, mm-hmm. and he jumps out and leaves him. What's well, it? Um, it's because Steve never thought of them as sidekicks or wingmen. They were. I saw them as equals. Yeah, and that's the that's the big difference here. Yeah, so he's gonna go based on the the character in the comics. He's gonna go south with with his personality. He's gonna become sort of the anti-hero in a in a villainous way. Uh, but it did strike me as I was watching this, because I, I was getting really into it, and all of a sudden I'm like, I went from, because I forgot how many episodes we have, mm-hmm. so I was on the WandaVision track, right? I was like, oh, there's going to be like eight more of this, that's going to be fantastic. I'm like, no, there's only going to be four more episodes. <laughs> what are we going to do? <laughs> so, but John Walker... I think they cast the right guy to play John Walker. Absolutely. You know, he, he seems like he can, he can be on that fence right now, you know, where you understand where he's coming from and he's put in an almost impossible position, but you can see he's going to handle it really badly. Yeah. It's towards the end of the episode. You can really notice like, cause they, they set him up at the very beginning. Like, okay, I actually feel for this guy. I like where we're going with him. And then it just he kept doing things, and like mm-hmm. the whole Sam and him interaction in the back of the the jeep, and then the the conversations afterwards, like at the cop cars and everything. They go, oh, I got you out of jail and stuff like that. It it's uh it's gonna be a rocky slope. Now, for this episode, I want to give it a a B plus on the opposite end of the spectrum of you know Superman and Lois. I felt like this one. Did a really good job. We got a lot more backstory. We finally got Sam and Bucky teaming up together uh, and mm. finally meeting. Their bickering is some of the funniest stuff, and I absolutely love it. And I knew it was going to be this way, and I just want more. If they just keep giving me more. And it, what was cracking me up was even, uh, you know, John Walker even said, oh, or, what are we dealing with? It? Or are we dealing with the big three? And after the whole conversation they had in the hangar, and I was like, oh, this is great. So everyone knows about the mm-hmm. big three. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, B plus yeah. for me. Yeah, I'd say a B plus is, is pretty well uh, fair. I, I did like that we got more info on the group uh, that, that they're fighting. No, little um, freedom fighters, essentially. Yeah, uh, but well, that's what people think they are. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that they want to take the world back to the way it was during the blip. More research. Thanos said nothing wrong. That's all I'm saying. And, uh, <laughs> but they are on the super soldier serum mm-hmm. or on a, a, a type of it to the point that Sam and Bucky couldn't really make any headway in fighting them. Do, um, do you think that we're going to see a part where Sam and or John Walker have the opportunity to take the super, the super, super soldier serum? And do we see Sam decline it and John Walker take it? 
Or is yeah, that a little too predictable that, for Marvel? I think we could see I think we could see Sam decline it. I think we could see John Walker say he wants to take it, but maybe they think better of it. Mm-hmm. Um, like I could see Bucky stepping in and, and stopping him from getting it somehow. Right. Even if it's physically. I did like that we got to meet, um, and I'm forgetting the guy's name now. The the guy that we met um, in the house near the end. Isaiah. Isaiah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that was very cool because it's someone from Bucky's past that tried to stop him when he was brainwashed by Hydra. <laughs> so awesome! And, like just uh, just thinking about the whole scene that he was talking about, I was like, "That is awesome!" And he he took half of Bucky's arm when mm-hmm. they were fighting. Uh, he's probably one of the few people to defeat Bucky as the Winter Soldier. Um, and you know, Bucky's trying to explain to him, "I'm not that guy anymore," and. Uh, course he's got his new arm the guy's like it looks like he grew it back right (laughs) um i'm curious as to how that's going to come up because that's a big reveal for the mcu that we already knew from the comics that the super soldier serum it it wasn't just cap and bucky you know there were other people that had it and see and and now we've got a whole militia group that has it and but are still vulnerable to like bullets and gunshots because we saw the one guy die at the end yeah. uh, I, I'm just real excited for the show and I've said this before I think I'm more excited for this one than I am for WandaVision WandaVision you have more of your what if scenarios to roll in here this one's not so much that I'm really excited we finally saw Zemo at the very end we knew he was going mm-hmm. to be in this show after the trailers and the movie poster I'm ready for Agent 13 though uh, Right. but it may be I would love for someone from Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. to be on this. That's my get hype moment for me. I know it wouldn't be for everyone else, but I would love to see someone from Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. on this show. Somehow, someway. Yeah. Wasn't there... I thought Chloe Bennett got cast in one of the Marvel projects. I know she did the Powerpuff Girls we talked about a couple weeks ago, but I don't know about anything with MCU. Yeah, I thought there was something I heard about in the MCU where she's going to be. But there was something that you said that you were just talking about, and my age is catching up to me. (laughs) Um, Because I swear you just said something, and I was like, oh, yeah, I wanted to mention that. Um, Zemo? Agent Carter? Well, not Agent Carter. Sharon Carter? Agent 13? I guess all day. Age of the Shield. <laughs> um, no, I just, it slipped my mind. Well, if you remember, Chris, you bring it back and you let me know. Because I will. I will. It is time for what everyone has came here for, and that is Robert Kirkman's The Invincible Nerd Wine Podcast Review. Um, first three episodes dropped this past Friday. They're also going to be doing a weekly uh, drop like all these other shows are. And the first one was 47 minutes long with all of the cast we've talked about in the past. I got hired on. Uh, everyone did a phenomenal job. Animation was great. It's, it had a lot of uh, DC animation vibes to it. And I was, it's such a good show and you could tell they had, they took a lot of inspiration 
uh, Robert Kirkman did from the DC universe with a lot of his characters of the Guardians of the Globe. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I dig this show. I watched all, I actually just finished the third episode uh, about 45 minutes before recording this. And I cannot wait to see where the rest of this is going. A lot of stars. So we got J.K. Simmons, Stephen Yoon, um, Karen Gillins, I think is her name. Uh, John Hamm. John Hamm, uh, Seth Rogen. We've got, I mean, they're just, it goes on and on and on and on and on. Um, I just, this show was really good. I'm really excited to see where Mark grows as a superhero. At first, it set it up as, you know, he's not getting his powers, but it turns out he is. Of course, Omni-Man is his dad, and it is a Superman-esque storyline, except Krypton never blew up, and Omni-Man is a from a lineage of people, was, I forget what their names are, uh, the planet is, but they send a hero out to every planet to be the protector of it. Mm-hmm. And now he's got a son with an Earthling. It's not supposed to happen, but it did. Um, and please tell me you watched after the first initial credits. Yes. Okay, so the scene where they are going to spoilers tag is up. If you have not seen Invincible, I don't know why you're listening to this yet. But the scene where Omni-Man absolutely destroys and kills every one of the Guardians of the Globe was Mm. absolutely phenomenally well done. And I'm telling you, it's going to be so good because I'm pretty sure Omni-Man is the bad guy of this and that's what they'd be the be the big end of season one reveal is is him is mark finding out his dad's the bad guy but oh it's so bloody it's so raw it's just it i feel like it is the boys in animated form with a little bit more backstory so chris if you like this you need to watch the boys so I, well you need to watch the boys period i'm just gonna flat out say that you need to watch the boys um, gotcha. i want to give this show a a minus for me for the first episode it's it's so good there's so much that could be happening i really like steven yoon as a voice actor of course he's my boy keith from voltron uh he's glenn from walking dead he's so many other characters his va is some of the best work that needs to be praised out there uh of course jk simmons as the dad anyways is phenomenal um i'm really excited to see where this goes and makes me want to buy the comic books of it not to really get ahead, but to to read it because I've heard it's a great series, anyways. So that that's my review of it. Yeah, uh, you covered a lot of my thoughts. I I'd probably I'm probably a little more conservative on it as far as the grade. I'd probably go like a a B to a mm-hmm. B plus. Um, but I am I am curious to see where they go. They've got a they've got a lot to do here. How many episodes are they? Uh, I'm not sure. Let me actually look on the episode count while you talk about it. I'm not. I'm not sure what they're running. I would guess ten to thirteen episodes would be my sort of prediction there. But uh, yeah, I'm. It, it's so funny because you start off with that scene um, with the two guards talking, and of course, <laughs> I thought that one it, guard was done. <laughs> as, as soon as John Ham starts talking, it's like, yep, that's John Ham. Mm-hmm. You can, you can just pick him right out. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is going to be really interesting to watch. I I think it's um, if if this does have a lot of vibes similar to the boys, then I'll be diving into the boys next. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you have to. 
trying to see the episode count. Uh, eight, eight episodes. Okay, so a few less than I thought. But... Yeah. Oh man, well guys, that was it. Invincible, Amazon Prime. Make sure you're watching it. Three episodes are up now. New episode every Friday. They're all about 40 minutes long, and it's none of that 10 minutes of uh, crap that Marvel is doing with the credits. It's straight, uh, straight goodness. Because yeah. We, by the way, too, if okay. um, if people do decide to watch it, if you're ever trying, it's it's a really cool feature that they have. I don't know if this is Amazon that did it or if it was something that the producers decided to do when they made this. Um, <clears throat> but you can hover over the picture mm-hmm. when there are characters on screen and it'll tell you who's voicing That's, the characters. Uh, the Amazon does that for everything, for all okay. their stuff. And it's I, I noticed it on the Fire TV, like when you when you press up on the up pad. And it shows everyone who's on screen. And even when like, the scene changes, it shows them all. It shows differently. And like even for what they're known for and stuff like that. So you're not like, I wonder what that guy's from. It's, you say right. you don't have to worry about that. I think it's a really cool feature that they've done. Yeah. But Chris, we have got so much to talk about. Let's get into our notable news section for our TV show. Spoilers tag is down. And Chris, this is a fun one. You sent this one to me. I woke up to it uh, one morning and it just made, it made my day. I'm going to be honest with you. And it makes me want to watch this show. Yeah. Number one, Batwoman recasts Ruby Rose's role with Krypton's Wallace Day. We're going to TVLine.com for this one. And this is by Keisha Hatchett. And of course, it says this, this post contains spoilers from Sunday's episode of Batwoman. They kept this secret, Chris. No one knew about this, by the way. Right. Batwoman has enlisted someone new to portray Kate Kane. TV Line has learned that Krypton and the Royals alum Wallace Day will take over the role for Ruby Rose, who departed the CW series at the end of last season. Season 2 centers on the rise of Ryan Wilder, played by Javisha Leslie, as the new Batwoman in the wake of Kate's mysterious disappearance following a nasty plane crash in Gotham. Kate finally resurfaced in Sunday's episode, seemingly unconscious in the sewers of Gotham and unrecognizable beneath heavy bandages, save for her tell tall red necklace. Quote, Wallace Day is going to be playing our altered version of Kate Kane, and she's an amazing actress, showrunner Caroline Rise tells TV Line. I'm excited for you guys to see the journey that she endures, end quote. Although it was revealed that Kate is still very much alive, albeit badly burned, everyone else believes her to be dead, since body parts matching her DNA have been recovered. The second half of season two will get to the heart of where she has been all this time and what that means for her character moving forward. Uh, is also, I've read other quotes, that she will not be taking on the Batwoman title. Right. Um, it will still be wilder. So... Good for Wallace Day. I'm finally glad to see someone from Krypton um, and, and more DC shows. I'm hoping Cameron, um, Cameron Cuff will come back and play something in the future, especially Superman related. But I'm really glad to see it. We, we both really liked Wallace Day when watching Krypton. Right. So this is yeah. good for her. Oh, we've got a lot. Oh, there's so much. Number two, The Witcher adds seven new cast members to season two. A lot of these I'm going to butcher and did not even know about, so bear with me. We're going to Deadline.com for this, and this is by Nelly Andriva. Netflix has unveiled the addition of seven new cast members for season two of The Witcher. Joining the second season are Ajo Onda as Nineke, Cassie Clare as Felipe Elhart, Liz Carr as Finn, Graham McTavish as Zdijkstra, Kevin Doyle as Balian, Simon Callow as Cod Ringer, and Chris Fulton as Rience. 
They joined previously announced new season two cast additions, Yesena Torres Cohen, Agnes Bjorn as Verena, Paul Bullion as Lambert, Basil Idemans as Eskel, Aisha Fabian Ross as Lydia, Christopher Hyvja as Nevelyn, and Misia Simpson as Francesca. Returning for season two are Henry Cavill, who leads the cast as the Witcher Saga, playing the role of Geralt of Rivia, Anya Chalotra, who returns as the Sorceress Yennefer, Freya Allen as Sidri, and Joey Beatty as fan favorite Yaskier. So, a lot of new roles if you're uh, paying attention to The Witcher. A lot more coming in. Of course, I recognize the guy. He's from uh, The Last Kingdom. I forget his name. I'm pretty sure it might be it's not Kevin Doyle. Um, Graham McTavish, I think is who it is. He's plays phenomenally in The Last Kingdom. But mm. for all you Witcher fans, that's a lot to take in. But something else here on our next news story. Falcon and the Winter Soldier was the most watched Disney Plus premiere ever. Of course, if you remember, WandaVision was first up until now. We're going back to Deadline.com for this one. This is by Anthony D'Alessandro. Disney Plus says the Falcon and the Winter Soldier ranks as the most watched series premiere ever for the streaming service during its opening weekend, Friday, March 19th through Sunday, March 22nd, and the most watched title overall for the same time period on a global basis, including in Disney Plus hot star markets. No viewership numbers were provided whatsoever, though, at the time of this writing. Disney Plus did not provide any degree of viewers for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, specifically in regards to WandaVision's weekend premiere or the Mandalorian's Season 1 or 2 weekend premieres. The streaming service only mentioned that Falcon, WandaVision, and Season 2 of Mandalorian are the streaming service's top three most-watched weekend premieres. Uh, Samba TV, however, reports that 1.7 million households tuned into Falcon and the Winter Soldier last weekend for at least five minutes, besting the 1.6 million who tuned into WandaVision's opening weekend. Samba TV collects data from terrestrial TVs. I don't know what that means, but uh, it looks like for at least five minutes, 1.7 million households tuned in to Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, but, you know, TV's dead, am I right? <laughs> Uh, anyway, and that that record's gonna be that record will be broken again though. I mean, as soon as Loki drops, it it's gonna shatter the record. Uh, yeah, everyone's a big fan for Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, but as as especially as we get closer to the Marvel movies coming back, mm-hmm. and some of these things have tie-ins, you're gonna see those numbers jump. Now, ladies and gentlemen, bigly as some people would say. <laughs> Uh, keep a pin in the Marvel movies talk because we're going to come back to that. So keep a pin right there, everybody. Ooh. And our last TV news is National Treasure TV series greenlit at Disney Plus with a Latina lead. Again, going right back to Deadline.com with Nelly Andriva again. Another popular Disney movie <laughs> title is getting a series reboot for Disney Plus. A National Treasure TV series is in development for the streaming platform Sources Confirmed to Deadline. It comes from producer of the movie franchise, Jerry Bruckheimer. No no one's ever heard of that guy. Nobody. No. Uh, The series is believed to be produced by ABC Studios, where Bruckheimer Television used to be under a deal two decades ago, which has been behind other recent series adaptation of Bruckheimer Disney movies, most recently Enemy of the State, which which was in development at ABC last season. The National Treasure series is in addition to the long-gestating trequel, trequel to John Turtletop's movie franchise starring Nicolas Cage, which brought in Chris Bremner as writer in January. Quote, 
We're certainly working on one national treasure for streaming, and we're working on one for the big screen, Bruckheimer told Collider. Hopefully, they'll both come together and we'll bring to another national treasure, but they're both very active. The one for Disney Plus is a much younger cast. It's the same concept, but a young cast. The one for Theatrical would be the exact same cast. So, uh, while the third movie is still being written for Disney, for the Disney, uh, still being written for the Disney Plus TV series, he says, "quote We have a pilot script done in the outline of the future episodes." Uh, mm. Does does this do anything for you uh, as far as a TV series? I really like the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see. It's possible. You know, I a lot's going to depend on the cast and. If they find a way to tie this with a younger cast into the other movies, um, it it will be a lot of fun. I, you know, just looking at this, do they ever, did I miss it? Did you say it and I missed it? There's no mention of the actress here. No, 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 no mention, right? Okay. The sources confirm uh, it will be a Latina lead. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I don't know why they wouldn't mention who it is yet, though. But right, to each, that's weird. To, to each their own. Uh, and we only have one release this week, and that is Tuesday, March thirtieth. Is of course Supergirl on the CW for season six, which is the final season. Uh, ladies and gentlemen. We're moving on to movies. We did our quote-unquote movie review for Invincible. Uh, the movie review for next week, of course, we're taking our two-week hiatus uh, due to projects that are coming up that you will be, that will be revealed uh, by the next episode. Um, but we will be doing our poll that week as well. Can't wait for you, what you want us all to watch. It better be something good this week, ladies and gentlemen, because the past couple votes, uh, you know, I'm just kidding. They're, they're all fine. Back to the Future 1 and 2, which was fine. <laughs> oh, but here we go. I have got 14 different news stories to talk about. Mm. A lot of them are just rapid fire back to back. Not really any news stories with them, but some of them are great like this one. Number one, DC's upcoming Zatanna film taps Oscar-nominated director Emerald Fennell to write the script. We're going to ScreenRant.com for this one by Rick Stevenson. A live-action Zatanna movie is being written by promising young woman writer and director Emerald Fennell for the DCEU. Following the success of the Wonder Woman films and a positive critical response to 2020's Birds of Prey, the Zatanna project will be put another female superhero in the franchise's spotlight. Interest in the core DCEU has spiked since the release of Zack Snyder's uh, Justice League, though it's unclear how exactly the new movie will connect to the past entries. In the comics, Zatanna is a magician, an incredibly powerful sorceress who had worked at different times with the Justice League and Justice League Dark. She's long been a popular hero among fans, frequently appearing in DC's various animated series and films. Zatanna's comic storyline have often involved Batman and John Constantine, among other characters throughout the franchise. She has previously been played in live action by Serena Swan on Smallville. We got the director. DC is going for it. Serena Swan, who went on to portray Medusa mm-hmm. in The Inhumans. I love how you remember all this. That's, what, that's why we pay you the big bucks. Wait, and... I get paid? <laughs> <laughs> what? Number two. 
Ron Livingston replaces Billy Crudup as Barry Allen's dad in the Flash film. I'm going to HollywoodReporter.com for this one. This is by Aaron Couch. Uh, Barry Allen has found his new father. Ron Livingston is stepping into into the Flash to play Henry Allen. The Hollywood Reporter has confirmed. Billy Crudup played the part of Barry Allen's father in Justice League, but recently departed the Flash movie due to scheduling conflicts with the season two of Apple TV's The Morning Show. The series has earned him an Emmy. That's that's all Hollywood Reporter had to say on it. I guess that's all they want to say is uh, that show has got him an Emmy, and he doesn't want to do the Flash. So, I don't. Well, it's not that he doesn't want to do yeah, it. They're scheduling conflicts because DC can't plan stuff properly. But hey, you know, his, Ron Ron Livingston's a great actor. So, yeah, win win for us, you know. <laughs> Yeah. And then let's go, man. This is we've got so many DC news. This is the week of DC news. Of course, uh, we knew this was going to happen off, fresh off of Zack Snyder's Justice League, so mm-hmm. this did not disappoint. Number three, Pierce Brosnan has been cast as Doctor Fate in Black Adam. We're going to Variety.com for this one by Elise Schaefer. Pierce Brosnan is taking on his first role as a superhero. The actor has been cast as Dr. Fate in DC and New Line's Black Adam alongside Dwayne Johnson, who is playing the title of the role. Dr. Fate, also known as Kent Nelson, is a founding member of the Justice Society who gains superpowers through putting on the magical helmet of fate. The casting of Brosnan completes the lineup for the Justice Society of America with Aldous Hodge playing Hawkman, Noah Centeno as Adam Smasher, and Quintessa Swindle taking on Cyclone. Black Adam follows the story of the anti-hero of the same name, played by Johnson. The character Black Adam first appeared in DC Comics in the 1940s as a power-corrupt villain and slowly became an anti-hero by the 2000s, known for his disregard of rules and conventions. Chris, I know you're familiar with Dr. Fate. Uh, What do you think of this casting? I think it's great. Pierce Brosnan's a really good actor. You're bringing in someone that, you know, has been in a lot of big-time movies. He's not going to be intimidated by the size of, of one of these superhero projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the guy played Bond. Right. <laughs> so, What a steal, though, for Dr. Fate. <laughs> right. He's got this covered. He'll, no, it, it's going to be a really good really good bit for him. And then staying on the, the Black Adam train here, this was breaking news right before we hit record. And DC's Black Adam is officially coming to theaters July 29th, 2022. Uh, and I was telling Chris as soon as it broke about what happened, uh, looks like Black Adam, DC, and Dwayne Johnson uh, bought every single screen in New York Times Square and shut them down. They all went black. Uh, Dwayne said a quote. I wish I would have wrote it down. Of course, this was breaking as we're recording. And... And it, the Black Adam logo appeared as he said the quote, and it said coming to theaters July 29th, 2022. Um, no, no mention of HBO Max, but we will get there. There is a, there's a reason I say that. Sticking to the DC plan here. Uh, again, for, for, I want to go back real quick to the Black Adam. I don't believe it's actually happening until I'm sitting down in the theater seat watching it. Because it had, they announced it in 2013, and here we are several years later, and it's actually got a title, a date now. So we'll see. Anyways, number four. Helen Mirren has closed a deal to play the villain Hespera, a daughter of Atlas and New Line in Shazam Fury of the Gods. Going to Deadline again for ju- .com from Justin Kroll. 
Helen Mirren has closed a deal to play the villain Hespera, a daughter of Atlas, in New Line and DC film Shazam! Fury of the Gods, the sequel to the box office hit adaptation of the comic book. Zachary Levi is set to reprise his role as Shazam, with Rachel Zelger also aboard. Shazam! Fury of the Gods is the anticipated sequel to New Line DC's 2019 film Shazam, and will continue the story of teenage Billy Batson, who, upon her sighting the magic word Shazam, will, is struck by the living lightning of the gods and transforms his adult superhero alter ego again chris what's your thoughts you can't go wrong with helen Mirren, right i, I mean t- i can tell you that much yeah <laughs> <clears throat> so again i mean this is really good casting so we'll see how it works out we'll see how the story is uh what they're given to work with in the script but they got the casting right mm-hmm I'm curious to see her as the as the villain for the movie too. Mm-hmm. And then let's keep going on with the DC and Warner Brothers theme. I'm telling you guys, this we all knew this was happening. Number five, Warner Media Studio CEO makes it clear there won't be a new cut of Suicide Squad. I'm going to backtovariety.com oh, with Brent Lang. Warner Media, Warner Media Studio CEO Ann Sarnoff says that the release of Zack Snyder's Justice League will complete the director's superhero trilogy, reinforcing the studio's desire to move past the social media campaign to hand back control of the DC film universe to the filmmaker. Instead, Sarnoff believes that the future of DC is more than just movies. She's excited about a multi-platform future, one that sees Batman, Superman, The Flash, and other Justice League members popping up on streaming shows, video games, I'm curious, television spinoffs, and big screen outing. It's a vision that echoes what Marvel has been doing with its Avengers characters, taking superheroes like the Vision and the Scarlet Witch, Hawkeye, and Loki, who have been previously appeared only in movies, and giving them streaming shows of their own. The Warner Media, Warner Media Studios chief is also excited about the diverse range of creators she's been enlisting to tell some of the stories, which includes taping Between the World and Me, author Tom Nahisi Coates to write a Superman film, or developing Blue Beetle, which marks the company's first Latinx superhero movie. Um, it's I'm trying to see if there's any more quotes for the Suicide Squad. Uh, ah, here it is. The Variety was interviewing Anne here and says, Will there be more of these director's cuts? Will we see David Ayer's cut of Suicide Squad? Uh, it just says, all she said was, we will not be developing David Ayer's cut. That's, that's all her response was. So They're going to let Zack Snyder recut the film. <laughs> oh, man. And here, and here is what I wanted to talk about when we're talking about uh, Black Adam for just for theaters. Our last little bit of Warner Brothers news. Uh, kind of. Number six, Warner Brothers strikes a deal with cinemas to screen films exclusively in theaters for a 45-day window before they hit HBO Max for 2022. We're going to Yahoo uh, news.yahoo.com. This is by Zach Scharf. Warner Media executives have been an adamant about the company's controversial HBO Max hybrid release model being for 2021 releases only, and that will be a case as far as Regal Cinemas is concerned. Deadline reports that Warner Brothers and Regal Cinema's owner, Cineworld, have struck a deal to return Warner Brothers' releases to theaters only in 2022 thanks to a new 45-window plan. Under the current 2021 strategy, Warner Brothers opens movies in theaters on the same day they begin streaming exclusively on HBO Max for 31 days. Uh, Regal locations will reopen in the U.S. for the first time in six months in limited capacity starting April 2nd to accommodate Warner Brothers' Godzilla vs. Kong, which will stick to the studio's current 2021 release plan of playing in theaters in HBO Max at the same time. 
uh, more rigged locations will open April 16th to screen the studio's Mortal Kombat Day and date with streaming. The 45-day exclusive theatrical window for Warner Brothers Films at Regal Cinemas begins in 2022. We've talked about this at length. Uh, of course, mm-hmm. this is new development. Do you see this plan? Do you see them altering this before 2022? Um. Yes. Uh, I'm in the same boat. We've the vaccines are becoming widely <laughs> and easily available for everybody at this point, and the more and more people take it, the more and more we get back to reality, uh, back to a somewhat new normal. See, is coming from a nurse who has seen it, done it, you know, done it all at this point. But right. and so the study shows well. I I do think that by the end of the year, this will be altered. I don't think we'll be getting as many of these movies on the HBO Max uh, app. I think once theaters start going back to full capacity, people start flocking to them again, I think that they will will show the movies. But I think uh, once they are on DVD and Blu-ray again, then, then they'll be put on HBO Max, uh, potentially by December. This is what I'm thinking here. But at least they're sticking to their guns so far, which is. Good I mean, they them. could. It could go the opposite way too, though. Yeah, that's true. So you you could you could have people so used to watching this stuff in the comfort of their own home, whenever it suits their schedule, that uh, theaters could start going under. Mm-hmm. You know, people could say, you know, I know I've got that option, but nah, I'll watch it when I get in from work tomorrow night. <laughs> I miss it so much, Chris. I know. It. Uh, and then number seven on our movie items here, Netflix is developing a live-action film and follow-up anime series based on Keanu Reeves' Berserker, a brutally epic saga about a mortal warrior's 80,000-year fight through the ages. Reeves will produce and star in the film and voice the anime. I thought that was cool. And yeah. That sounds like it's going to be fun. Anything you can put Keanu Reeves in, bring it on. Yeah, and then here it is. I want Uh-oh. to. We're going to end on a good note. I made sure to put a good note at the end of these news stories for you, Chris. I know last week we ended on bad notes on every single one of them. Yeah. So I made sure we we didn't do that this week. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but before we get there, this title is delays, delays, delays. The biggest one: Black Widow delayed again to July 9th. It releases in theaters and on Disney Plus the same day. On Disney Plus Premium. Uh, do you think July 9th? Uh, I know we texted and talked about this a little bit. Do you think it will be at a point by then to to go to the theaters and watch it? Yeah. I think you'll have to have probably some kind of proof that you've been vaccinated to get in at that point. I don't think it's going to be just wide open. Right. Um, and they'll probably still have some distancing. I mean, it might not be six feet apart. It might be three if you've been vaccinated just to kind of keep some sort of a buffer there. Um, we should note too, that if, if you're going to watch it on Disney plus, it's going to cost twenty nine ninety nine. Yep. in addition to your, your monthly subscription. So if you want to do it that way, you know, you can. Um, it's about the same as going to the movies. Though. Mm-hmm. For two different times um, for the movies. Which is insane because just for 
you know, shits and giggles. Uh, the other day we were talking about inflation at work and, uh, I ended up pulling up one of those inflation calculators. Mm -hmm. So in 1960, a movie ticket was roughly a quarter. So adjusting for inflation, today's movie ticket should be $2 and 22 cents. And we pay roughly 10 to $11. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, theaters don't get, that's not where they get their money from. They get it from the, the concessions. Right. But that's, that's crazy. $2, please. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a steal. Um, I think this was the right calling. And we've talked about this at, at length as well. Uh, I may was pushing it for me as far as seeing it in theaters. Now, July 9th, I feel real good about it as far as actually walking into a theater and watching it. Yeah. I, I don't think, I mean, I would pay the $30 for a night to watch it, but that might be the movie that gets me out and about. But now we've got to have a gap of Marvel content. We're not going to have that full year a week of Marvel uh, drops because that, I think there's going to be like a couple of weeks now of a buffer between mm -hmm. that uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Loki now. So we'll see. Yeah. And then, of course, with that being delayed, you have to move around the other movies as well. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings has been delayed to September 3rd. Cruella, Cru, Cruella DeVille will release on May 28th, simultaneous in theaters and Disney Plus Premier Access. And Luca will release June 18th free to Disney Plus subscribers. It's real weird to me their model of what is released for free and what is released on Disney Plus Premium. Uh, Onward was also free, but then you've got all these other movies that's Disney Plus Premium. I, I don't know what the difference is, but I just I just you know I like to bring that up. Unless it's the stuff they think is going to be widely viewed by kids, they they make it free, whereas the more adult oriented stuff is. It could be a, a contract issue with the, the it actors. It could be that too. I think because they have to make, you know, they have to get similar. so much money. Maybe similar to what we saw with HBO Max and and mm. Warner Brothers and Gal Gadot and. Yeah, that's probably what it that boils down to. And then the last new cool, fun, exciting thing, so we don't end on a depressing note, was new Suicide Squad trailer from James Gunn dropped this mm -hmm. past Friday. Did you watch it? No, I haven't seen oh, it yet. It's so good. And I know we've talked about the Peace Walker um, series with John Cena. Just from mm -hmm. the trailer, I'm in it. I'm ready for it because it's going to be fun. There's so many. Like, Syl Sylvester Stallone plays King Shark. I mean, and he rips a guy in half in the trailer. Like, just straight red band trailer rips a guy in half. I was like, I'm actually pretty excited. I need to watch Birds of Prey before I watch it, though. So... I'm really yeah. excited about it. And then something else I'm really excited for. We've got one new release this week as well as we did in TV. And this is Godzilla vs. Kong goes to your theaters and HBO Max March 31st. I will be watching it. Uh, Team Godzilla all the way. And really? Then this brings us to our last topic of the show. Video games. Of course, we like to start it with what we have been playing Chris, I know you've got the new PlayStation, and the next time we meet and do a podcast, I cannot wait to hear your thoughts on it all. But until then, have you been playing anything else? Uh, no, just Madden and Valhalla. Good. So. You got to chip it away. 
that's a big game. It is. It's uh, uh it's a lot of fun. I can't wait. I can't wait. So I'll, I'll put in five hours and then I'll look and it's like, oh, I played two percent. <laughs> I played two percent more than I was yesterday. <laughs> um, I've been playing uh, Fortnite. My my daughter's been getting heavily into that. My oldest one, and so we've been playing a whole lot more lately. And I've also been playing Magic, the card game Arena, on my phone since they dropped it uh, a couple days ago for iOS devices. Uh, I didn't a, know you were a Magic guy. Yeah, I, I used to play the, the cards back in when I was in nursing school. I uh, played with a couple of buddies, and then I sold all my cards or gave them away, rather. And so I've been playing online just to get that little itch of playing a card game. And now that I have it on my phone, it's it's bad. I'm just going to say it. It's bad. <laughs> what well, used to be 15 minutes on the toilets, Chris, is now maybe 30 to 45. And oh. that's all it is. Um, oh. <laughs> but, Chris, let's get right into these news because we got a lot. We've got five on here to talk about, uh, four of which are, are stuff to actually converse about. One is just a tweak to read. But the first one is... Resident Evil is getting a new movie titled Resident Evil. We're going to IGN.com for this one. This could have went in the movie section, what. but it, you know it goes to the games as well. What's up? They re- they really uh they're getting creative with these titles. Hey man, I know. <laughs> uh, this is by Matt T M Kim. The official title for the upcoming Resident Evil movie from director Johannes Roberts will officially be called Resident Evil: Welcome to Raccoon City. See, I had you, Chris. Uh-huh. I had you. IGN learned that the official title of the upcoming movie from Roberts himself during an interview at SXSW's online event. Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City is an adaptation of the first two Resident Evil games. It will include main characters from both titles, including Chris and Claire Redfield, Jill Valentine, and Leon S. Kennedy. Set in the year 1998, Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City was held to events the city under siege from infected zombies. Both the mansion from Resident Evil 1 and the city itself and police, set, police station from Resident Evil 2 will be present in the movie. There are a lot of Resident Evil films and adaptations in the works, so to clear the air, Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City is a new feature-length movie reboot completely unrelated to the franchise previously directed by Paul W.S. Anderson and starring Mila Jovovich. Um, there is a, a lot of roles have been cast. I want to, to bring them up here. Let me exit out of that. Uh, a lot of these we already know. We know where, who. Okay, let me go back to it. So we have got uh, Hannah John Car- uh, come in, came in. Will play Jill Valentine. You'll like this one. Robbie M. Mel will play Chris Redfield. So we're gonna see a lot of him. Really? Tom Hopper will play Albert Wesker. Stoked for those past two. Uh, Tom Hopper. He is in. Um, the show I'm watching right now on Netflix, I couldn't stop talking about the Umbrella Academy. He was also in uh, Merlin as one of the guys. Well, so see him play as a bad guy. Yes, whatever you got to put him in, bring it on. Avin Yoshia uh, will play Leon S. Kennedy. Uh, Neil McDonough will play William Birkin. We know him. We like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Allie Larder as Claire Redfield. We really? Know her from Heroes. Wentworth Miller as Chris Redfield. And, oh, wait, sorry, those were, uh, okay, those last three, excuse me, were um, from previous movies. So, 
pretty good cast though i'm really excited for for what they're going to bring to the table and i can't wait to see that movie I, i'm a big resident evil uh movie fan i love mila jovovich's series that she did and i'm, I'm ready for this especially with robbie amell as one of the main characters bring it yeah. on bring it on um and this next little bit is for a micro is about microsoft microsoft is changing the name of xbox live to xbox network we're going to the verge.com for this one and this is by Tom Warren. Microsoft is rebranding Xbox Live to Xbox Network. Instances of the new branding started appearing in the Xbox dashboard recently for beta testers, with clips being uploaded to Xbox Network instead of Xbox Live. Microsoft has now confirmed the news change. Microsoft Next works for, quote, Microsoft Next works first the underlying Xbox online service, which was updated in the Microsoft Services Agreement, says a Microsoft spokesperson in a statement to The Verge. Quote, the update from Xbox Live to Xbox Network is intended to distinguish the underlying service from Xbox Live Gold memberships. Microsoft has been used, uh, Microsoft has used Xbox Live to refer, refer, uh, restart the whole sentence. Microsoft has used Xbox Live to refer to its underlying Xbox service since its original launch 18 years ago. Larry Erb, better known as Major Nelson, has been known as, quote, Xbox Live's Major Nelson for years. But Herb now refers himself to as Xbox's Major Nelson. Uh, they need to quit changing their name. It's a good thing, but they changed a lot of their name. Well, not a lot of their names, but they, uh, they're trying to rebrand so it's a little more right. streamlined. And I'm, I'm all about it, but they, 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 there's just a lot going on. So and there's mm -hmm. also talks of them buying Discord, which is what we use to record this stuff. So could be better for, for worse. But they have Skype, and yeah. that's not what that was. That's true. Right. Uh, number three, Nintendo of America has partnered with Pokemon Go creators Niantic on a series of new apps. The first will be an AR game based on Pikmin coming later this year. We're going to Collider.com, and this is by Marco Vito Odu. Nintendo has revealed a new Pikmin mobile app coming out this year developed by Niantic, the creators of Pokemon Go. The project was announced on the official Twitter of the Nintendo of America, together with a link for pre-registration. As with Pokemon Go, the Pikmin app will use augmented reality to combine images from the real world and digital elements, and in this case, the plant-based creatures. This will be the first in a series of apps the two companies are developing together, all, intended, all aimed to integrate Niantic's AR technology with Nintendo's biggest IPs. Niantic CEO John Hankey, Hankey said the deal is part of the expansion strategy for the company, which recently opened a new studio in Tokyo. John Hankey. John Hankey. <laughs> so I'm excited about this. I, I love the Pikmin games. Uh, I love Pokemon Go. Is this going to get me out and about more? Probably not, just because Verizon has terrible data deals. Yeah. And that just doesn't sound like fun to me. But if I'm at like an amusement park or somewhere big like that, like a downtown of a city... Uh, I will be playing games like this. But just out here where we are outside of Nashville, nah. And then I've got uh, Back for Blood, the game that's, that's the spiritual successor to uh, Left for Dead is has been delayed. I'm going to go right to their tweet for the comment. Turtle Rock Studios is working hard to make Back for Blood the best game it could possibly be at launch, and the team needs more time to do this. Therefore, we'll release Back for Blood on October 12th, 2021. We thank our community for its continued support and we are excited to share there'll be an open beta this summer. Uh, the closed beta that they've been doing since they announced it at um, the Video Game Awards looks great. Um, 
I say take as much time as you need. Again, we've talked about this before on the show. Uh, delay your games or else you're going to get Cyberpunk 2077. So, <laughs> and, and you don't want that. That's bad publicity. And then, Chris, this is an exciting one, and I can't wait to see what you say about this one. Our last story for the show is Sony and PlayStation Productions developing Ghost Tsushima movie with John Wick's Chad Stahelski directing. We're going to Deadline.com one last time by Justin Kroll. Exclusive. Sony Pictures and PlayStation Productions are developing a film adaptation of the hugely successful action-adventure game Ghost of Tsushima with Chad Stahelski attached to direct. The game recently crossed a massive milestone of selling over 6.5 million copies since its July 2020 debut. The game is developed by Sucker Punch Productions and published by Sony Interactive Entertainment and centers around Samurai Warrior Jin Sakai, the last surviving member of his clan, who must set aside the traditions that have shaped him as a warrior to wage an unconventional war for the freedoms of Tsushima. I am all in on this. I, I, I've talked about how much I love the show. It was in my top five last year for top five games of the year. Mm-hmm. And we're getting a freaking movie over this. There's no way it can be bad. I mean, the guys that uh, wrote the game are uh, honorary uh, members of the tourism department now. And now we're getting a freaking movie from John Wick's uh, director. Bring it on. He knows the action sequences, he knows what's going to make it look good. We're, we're set, we're good. Cast the right people. Make sure you do it correctly. No whitewashing. None of that garbage. Let's have a great film. Period. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I'm glad that we're getting something. There's a part of me that would almost rather have a series. Yeah. Because it gives you more time to explore the characters. Uh, but a movie will be phenomenal. So. Oh, see, now that you said series, got my mind now. HBO, uh, the HBO series of The Last of Us, because goes to Tsushima as well. I wonder if, because SIE is doing this thing now where we're seeing the TV shows and now a movie. I think they're trying to say, hey, our stories are so great, they we could put them elsewhere and make more money, one, but two, have more different modes of, uh, of entertainment. And I'm all in on this. I mean... Next, though, a God of War series and show, and or show, would be phenomenal. Um, could that happen? Yes, especially once you see that they're doing the Ghost of Tsushima, one of their new IPs. This could happen, and yeah. that would be so much fun. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see how it turns out for sure. And then, Chris, what we have here is notable new releases. We got Disco Elysium, the final cut for PC, PS5, PS4, and Stadia, March 30th. And the game that I'm going to be losing a lot of my time with, and we'll be talking about a lot on the next show, and that is Outriders for PC, PS5, Xbox Series X, PS4, Xbox One, and Stadia. April 1st is another games as a service like Destiny. I am heavily addicted to Destiny. Uh, it had been for years and years and years and years since its release, uh, six years ago, almost seven years now. Um, so I'm really excited. I'm getting this on Xbox Game Pass, so I don't even have to buy it. And it's going to be the best way to play. That's all I'm saying. But Chris, that is episode number 20. We're, sitting, we're doing, had a big, long episode. Do we have anything else we need to say before we log off for the evening? No, I don't think so. Just keep your eyes peeled. 
for our uh, Twitter poll that'll be going up next weekend. And listen, you all better be voting. All right, it's gonna be fun. And I need you involved. But guys, thank you all for listening and watching. We are so excited for you to watch our next episode in two weeks. We'll have a little bit of a hiatus. Gives you time to catch up on our past shows and to catch up on what we'll be watching this next time as well. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. We had fun. There's a lot of news to talk about, a lot of things to break down, a lot of shows to talk about in review. Uh, next week, we're going to get, or next episode, we're going to get Chris's PlayStation 5 review. Uh, we're going to get more Invincible review and same thing with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We'll have two episodes to talk about. Uh, but guys, don't forget to share this show on all your favorite social media platforms. And don't forget to like and subscribe on whatever platform you are on to help us with our numbers to see how many eyes and things we are seeing and if you like it or not. Uh, you can follow NerdWise social media account on Twitter at Nerd underscore Y. You can follow me personally at Ty underscore Haynes. And you can follow Chris at MavTN7. But guys, that has been episode 20 of the NerdWise podcast. We cannot wait to see you next time in two weeks. Stay tuned to our Twitters for the Twitter poll. And we'll see you then. Later, guys.